0: Nicole Whitney News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor to have you on the show tonight. Welcome, Deepak to Chopra. Thank you. Yes, this is Uri. Hi, Uri. It's Nicole Whitney calling News for the Soul. Welcome to News for the Soul, Robert Allen.
1: Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here with you tonight.
0: Why are you here? We're talking to Carolyn Mace about Sacred Contracts, one of her many best-selling books. Welcome to the show, Greg Braden.
1: Well, good evening, Nicole. It's uh, certainly a pleasure to hear your voice and a pleasure to be here tonight.
0: Welcome to the show, Stuart Wilde. Thank you very much. John Kehoe, welcome to News for the Soul. Hey, how are you? Next up, Dr. David Morehouse.
1: I'm so glad that you called me because you are doing such an important task, important work, because you are spreading a very positive message.
2: I was really moved by last week's show because we made a commitment
3: to a worldwide event to try to change consciousness. I'm feeling enormous energy around this show. Just enormous, enormous. Uh, I, I really have to hand it to you, Nicole. You have created sort of a niche of amazing, amazing connections. That just like... <laughs> The angels and the David that are like attracted to News for the Soul is amazing. And we love News for the
2: Soul!
0: Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsfortheSoul.com. And let's get back to the show. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you're listening to News for the Soul. I'm Nicole Whitney, and this is News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. I'm really excited about introducing you to today's guest, Tom Campbell. He is the author of My Big Toe. Toe is in, not a switch, but theory of everything physicist, and this whole book is going to tie together theories between spirits and science and all of those worlds that we talk about so much on News for the Soul. So let's bring him on and uh, actually first I'm going to read a little bit of the bio on his website and then we'll start. Tom Cowell began researching altered states of consciousness with Bob Monroe journeys of out of the body far journeys and the ultimate journey at Monroe Laboratories which some of you, many of you are familiar with in the early 70s where he and a few others were instrumental in getting Monroe's laboratory for the study of consciousness up and running. So we're going to talk about that and his books and much more, Theory of Everything. Tom Campbell, welcome to News for the Soul.
4: Thank you, Nicole. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you here. Now, I'm talking to you. You're in Alabama?
4: I'm in Huntsville, Alabama, yes.
0: Huntsville, Alabama. and Good to have you on the show. I'm curious as to how you transitioned, well, if it was a transition at all, uh, between physics and spirit.
4: Well, Nicole... I wouldn't call it a transition. That sounds like you left one and went to another. Mm -hmm. I call it more of an integration. Science and, um, what should we say, spirituality, though they seem to be on opposite ends of the pole, actually, when you know a little more about it, they are not so far on opposite ends of the pole. They have some very uh, strong overlaps. And I think it was a very natural progression for me because when when you study physics, that's basically modeling reality. It's how does reality work? That's what physics does. And well, when you're on a, on a journey seeking uh, um, understanding the larger reality, then it takes you to uh, the spiritual. And answering that question, how does it work, all just seems to be a continuum of the same uh, uh, drive, a uh, need to know.
0: That's, that's so interesting, I can't tell you how many people have had that same independent experience. I've talked to many people on News for the Soul that have been immersed in the science field only to discover spirit and find that they support each other. So where does your story be, story begin with, with compiling the content for The Awakening, your first book in the My Big Toe Trilogy, where does that begin?
4: Well, I first kind of, uh, well, I was, of course, in physics first, and I was in graduate school at Charlottesville, Virginia, working on a Ph.D., and started meditating. And this was the old uh, TM, Transcendental Meditation, that kind of went through the the U.S. in the, uh, what would it be, late 60s, early 70s. -hmm. And I signed up for that and began to meditate, and it was a natural. I uh, found it a very simple thing to do, and I found it very rewarding. I was able to use it for, uh, um, you know, with my physics, with my graduate work. It's amazing how uh, well you can uh, debug computer code while you're in an altered state of consciousness. <laughs> anyway, that uh, interest um, took a turn when my boss, after I got out of graduate school, went to work, and the boss that I had tossed me this book called Journeys Out of the Body. So I read the book, didn't quite know what to say to him, since he didn't give me any hints, but um, I told him that it was pretty amazing, and that if it were true, you know, it opened up a whole new view of reality and what was available, but how could you tell if it was true?" And he agreed with me. Then about four or five months later he comes around and says, guess what? The author of that book lives right in town, right close to to, uh, Charlottesville, this time, Charlottesville, Virginia, and we've made arrangements to go out and see him. Do you want to come along? So you know I couldn't turn that down, and that's where it started. For me, I went out, saw Bob Monroe, we talked for, oh, four or five hours, and he was looking for some qualified science types to help him with a lab he was putting together to study consciousness, altered states of consciousness.
0: And that was the Monroe Institute?
4: That was the Monroe Institute. Yeah, Bob Monroe wrote Journeys Out of the Body, so that, and then he wrote Far Journeys and an Ultimate Journey. But in any case, so when he let us know that he was looking for some scientists to help make his laboratory uh, more professional, I guess, and give them some scientific credibility. My hand shot right up, and I said, count me in. And so did another friend of mine, Dennis Manerick And after that, we started going out to Bob's laboratory at least two days a week, sometimes three and more, spending four, five, six hours each time we went out. And we helped him put together a good science program, and he taught us what he knew about out-of-body. So that was kind of the deal. We worked for free if he would teach us what he knew and how he did that. So we'd work for a while in the lab, doing equipment and instrumenting, and um, then we'd go lie down in what he called check booths, and he would uh, try to teach us what he knew about altered states. So that went on for about five or six years, and there were a lot of hours put in there.
0: And was he actually teaching you how to achieve an out-of-body state?
4: Yes, he did. He taught us how to achieve an out-of-body state. He led us to that point. He ex- kind of explained what it is. Now, it's something you have to do on your own. It's not It's not something that somebody does for you, but he kind of guided us in that direction and uh, we started doing exercises while we were doing out of the um, out of the body. We would go places. We would look. He'd have a chalkboard in a control room. And he'd write numbers on it and we'd go in there in an out-of-body state and try to read the numbers and report back and we'd go various places and then we'd tell him what we saw and then we'd call up where that was to see if that was really what was happening there so there was a lot of evidential sort of things that, that were done and we did some healing work and uh, now what
0: kind of what, what sort of results was he having like with the with these i mean I'm, I'm assuming they were kind of controlled experiments where there was someone overseeing here's the board here's the numbers here's the people in the other room like what kind of results was he having with that
4: Well, we started out, the results were kind of, you know, decent but not great. But the more that Dennis and I understood what was going on, the more we were able to develop the right um, state of consciousness and understand what was going on, they got to be very good. matter of fact, they got got to be good enough that we started taking trips together. Dennis and I and Nancy Lee and I and and, uh, other groups, two people or more would go out of body together. And then we were all in isolated chambers, so they were completely sound isolated and electromagnetically isolated from each other. We were lying in beds with microphones suspended over our, our mouths, and we learned to talk while we were in the out-of-body state. So that was one of the things. So,
0: so talking us, we with we your actual mind. body, or are you seeing each other in your non-physical body?
4: Oh, we would meet in our non-physical bodies. Each of us would be in a separate and... While we were in that, si- that separate isolation booth, we would all go out of body and then meet in the physical, and then we would go places and do things, and each of us would be telling our story of what we saw and what, what we interacted with and what was said and what was done, and then... You'd have a couple of stories, lines running along, and then afterwards, of course, Bob in the control room was taping all of it, and you could see whether or not we really were at the same place at the same time, seeing the same things, or whether we weren't.
0: Wow. Now, when you go...
4: Experiments like that, we did a lot of experiments, and the the important thing is in this work that you have to do uh, evidential kind of experiments. It really is science, if you approach it that way. Mm -hmm. If you don't do those kind of experiments, then you never know whether what you're experiencing is real or whether it's just something you're making up in your own head. So that's a key thing. Well, what
0: about having the direct experience, though? Like when you supposedly left your body, like were you, you know, were you in an altered state like Theta or were you more aware? Like was it as real as you and I talking now?
4: Well, um as far as the, the um, EEG goes, it was in a it was in a theta state, but the dominant brainwave was at about four hertz, actually slightly less, about uh, 3.95, something like that. So that's a, that's in the theta region is where it was. And the closer you could get to that that four hertz resonance state, then uh, more likely it is that you would be having an, an actual out of body. And it took a while to do that. What we found out is that we We found some technology that would help entrain the brainwaves right at that frequency. And once we started using that, then it became a very easy thing to do. And then we wondered, well, could we teach other people? Could we just take somebody off the street that didn't know a thing about it? And... Put them in the booth and train their brainwaves to that frequency and would they be able to you know experience out-of-body state could they do these things could they travel and basically then we started inviting people in to do experiments with them and we invited in hundreds of people took lots of data and the answer to that question was yes we could get people off the street and we could enable them to have out-of-body experience
2: wow Now they all
4: didn't have the same experience it was colored by their own Um, You know, individual needs and and things—they all didn't have the exact same experience. Obviously, they all had their own experiences, but they were all doing out of body, and we, again, had a lot of evidential work to make sure that what they were doing was not just something they were they were making up. And uh, it was a very successful program. Matter of fact, I think that program is still running. Although Bob is gone, and I've been out of the program for oh, you know, twenty. 25 years, so I really don't know exactly what they're doing, but I know the Monroe Institute is still there and it still has programs and people still go through it.
0: Absolutely and very well known. Um, I know there's so much to pack in. I've just got to ask though, so what what did you feel when you left your body?
4: What did I feel?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, it's a it's basically a transition of, of consciousness, a transition of awareness. So you go in and you you start this. You know kind of the relaxation and and it's very much like meditating in that stuff in that sense Um, your mind starts to quiet down you let all the outside stuff go and when you get into that out of body state you are at that point just point point consciousness You don't have a body. There's no environment around you. You're not aware of any noise, sound, smell, touch, feel. You don't really feel like you're lying in a bed or sitting in a chair. You're just point consciousness uh, floating in that void. And once you get to that state, then you can kind of determine where you go, sort of like in a lucid dream. You can decide where you're going to go and what you're going to do. And after that, you're in in charge. Or you can just drift around and kind of let it happen to you if you want you can communicate you can uh, you know talk with other entities that you find there basically it's a you know it's a wide open uh, experience but you start from that point consciousness uh, no awareness basically your mind is awake you're not foggy it's not you're drifting around in a in a deep uh, trance light fog you're clear-minded just like we are now talking to each other it's just that you're not in physical reality anymore you're in a non-physical reality
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, we've we've talked to uh, we've done a lot of remote viewing stuff on the show over the years, and and also I've talked to Dr. Al- Albert Taylor, who's kind of got a methodology for physically leaving your body and inducing these states, and and but the two of them are very different. And I was trying to figure out if you were physically leaving or if you're doing more like the remote viewing state where you're entering the sort of.
4: Well, they are they're different but they are very strongly related mm-hmm. the, reason, the way that they're different is that the out-of-body state that what you're calling is uh, physically leaving the body that is really just a different reality that's getting into a special reality actually it's very closely related to the dream reality it's a reality that um, let's see what do the hindus call that uh, astral yes the astral plane I believe so you get into that particular reality that's a that's a virtual reality that's accessible now when you the other you might call a mental projection or um, I'm not sure what other descriptions would be but that's similar it's still your consciousness but that's yet another reality there's not just um, you know out-of-body state and traveling in non-physical regions there's not just one other reality out there there's there's many, and which ones you get into it depends on, you know, which ones you want to get into. It's sort of like traveling. You know, you can go to Chicago or you can go to New York, and you can end up in either one depending on, on the path you take to get there. So the, the different states, one being more of a, of a mental excursion and the other one where you actually have this is kind of, non-physical physical form if you like and you move around in it they're just different non-physical realities that are accessible
0: mm, that's just fascinating to uh, see that this work's being done so where did that take you next then
4: well being a physicist you know i uh, always wanted to know why you know what's the process what's the theory how can we understand this uh it was, well, Dennis and I would probably worked for a year or so out at Bob's before we got to the point where we were taking these trips together and uh, had, had got to the point where we really knew that what we were doing was real, and, and that was quite a trip all by itself. I can remember the very first time we, we uh, accomplished some of these things that could have no other explanation other than we were really out of body. We were really, uh, you might say, out of mind. We were doing uh, mental space is not all just in the in the classical out-of-body and when we realized that this was real you know that kind of sets you back it was almost a week went by and i probably said a million times you know this is real <laughs>
2: you know
4: and you just you, unless you've been there and had that happen to you it's just hard to describe what a impact that has that suddenly you become inescapably aware of how big reality is and when that hits you it's it's a it's like hits you like a ton of bricks and you can't describe it away any other way up until that time we were like yeah this is interesting but maybe it could be this or it could be that or maybe it's circumstance and our statistics we didn't have enough data yet statistics were really good and you know you didn't know but eventually you get to the point where it's wow this is real Now, what we do is figure out, one, how do you control it, how do you explore it, and map that space, how do you be able to go there whenever you want and do what you want, what good is it, what can you do with it, how does it interact uh, with this reality, and how does it work, what are the rules, what are the boundaries, what else is there, if you've learned this much, what's beyond this, so that was the next step, was to try to find out how did it all work, what was the theory, Um, how did it make sense. It couldn't just be random. So, being a physicist, I went into it from that angle, trying to figure out. Dennis was a was a double E. He was a, a electrical engineer, and he was a little more into the into the process and the mechanism, and I was more into the theory. So, that's kind of where it went. Then, for the next 15 to 20 years after that, um, even though I left working with Monroe, I uh, just studied it on my own. I kept practicing. I kept refining. I kept exploring. Kept tracking of you know what was what and how did it work? Always collecting evidence. Eventually, I got to the point where I thought I started to see a, a pattern of uh, how it all fit together and an explanation that could pull, pull it all into one big understanding. And that's what my books are about. My big toe. It's it's a it's a view of reality. It's a model of reality that basically takes physics, metaphysics, um, spirituality, if you will, philosophy, and makes it under all one seamless logical understanding how does it all fit together why is it the way it is how does it work
0: well here's what we have to do we have to take a quick break and then let's come back with the theory of everything the world according to tom campbell and find out what answers he found to those questions back in two minutes right after this
3: you're now tuned in to nicole whitney's news for the soul highlights life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com.
0: hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of news for the soul online at newsforthesoul.com now let's get back to the show and we're back. I'm Nicole Whitney, and this is News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. And if you've been listening thus far today, you know that we've got that covered fully because my guest is physicist Tom Campbell and author of My Big Toe, the amazing trilogy that encompasses his years of research and work and figuring out basically the answers to everything. <laughs> you can find him online at my-big-toe.com. And if you don't want to type, just click on the link on our site, newsforthesoul.com. And so before the break, you were were saying you started out asking all these questions. I totally relate to that paradigm shift you talked to because that's why, you know, so many times on the show, I like doing, not talking about it. And I went through years of the uh, practices and trainings with David Morehouse on the remote viewing. And boy, yeah, knocks your socks off. That doesn't even begin to cover it. So um, I understand that sort of moments you had, and, and I'm curious to see what kind of answers you got to those questions after. So where did you, what question did you first try to answer with your research?
4: Well, making sense of the whole means that it's not something that you do. It's not really, you know, the, the big aha moment comes just realizing that reality is a lot bigger than you thought it was. Mm-hmm. Once you get that under your belt, then it's a matter of having to do the science to find out, you know, what's consistent, how does it work, and as i would take these excursions or trips out of the out of the physical i would have to do experiments so i was a scientist in the non-physical i would look and, and uh, you know see what was happening i'd try things to see well can i do this can i affect these kinds of things what can i affect with other people can i heal things that are you know people that are ill can i make things move what can i do and i would keep experimenting, going different places, realizing that the larger reality wasn't nearly as small, even as you, you, you get when you read, uh, you know, Eastern philosophy and so on, that it was immense, and that it was populated with lots of different kinds of things. And then how did these things come about, and why, and what are they doing? So it was just a, you know, imagine yourself, oh, let's say, you know, coming here from Mars, landing on Earth, and having to figure out what Earth was about. You know, the critters, the people, the plants, the, you know, the soil that you just start and experience. And
0: Would back. it be true to say that the more you, answers you found, the more questions you had, and, and the least uh, you find that we know less each time we get an answer?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's true for a while. But then eventually it did all come together. But that's definitely true. Every time you ask a question, the answer to that question then raises probably four or five more questions. And that's why it takes a long time. So I've been working this, doing this research and experimenting for, you know, about 30 years. So that's a long time. Well, when you
0: were asking like what you could do, what you could heal, and could you make things move, like what results did you have with those questions?
4: Well, I found out that yes, I could. I could do those things. Hmm. I could move energy. I could affect people. I could, um, you know, change uh, energy in the non-physical in their energy bodies. The physical body is a is an artifact of the energy body. So if you make changes in the energy body and enforce those changes, that change will eventually bleed over into the physical body. Uh, You can uh, communicate with people telepathically. You can, uh, you know, all the the normal kind of um, paranormal things, you know, the scene of auras, that sort of thing, you can learn how to do all that. You also can track different uh, kinds of realities. You know, there, this, this physical reality that we're in, which in my book I call PMR, Physical Matter Reality, that's just one of many physical realities. There's lots of other physical realities around. That's not the only one.
0: So to what us. other ones are there?
4: Well, to us, the other physical realities are non-physical. Our reality is physical to us because that's our perception. We're in it. This physical reality we're in is really a virtual reality. And there are other virtual realities that to the people in them, they're physical and we're non-physical. Reality is a very big and complex thing. It's going to be hard for me to describe that in just a few words. That's why I ended up with a trilogy and not just, you know, one small book. But uh, you have to explore all this space and all this space. You you see, we use words (laughs) like space because we're trapped with our, you know, three-dimensional words and views and and uh, thought patterns, it's hard to get away from that. But you have to explore all of this potential and uh, map it out. You make friends as you go. Um, you have acquaintances that are all non-physical. You make those. They're, they are uh, available. You know people in different places. It's just like spreading out and investigating here on Earth, except you're in a bigger reality system.
0: Oh, my God. Every time you say something, it's like bringing up like 18 questions that I have to ask.
4: <laughs>
2: I mean, every
0: sentence that's coming out of your mouth is probably an entire show in itself. Every one of these experiments you've done, every one of these. So you, you have non-physical friends. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's so refreshing to me to be sitting with a physicist telling me you've got non-physical friends. I mean, it's just, ah, I want to bask in this glorious moment for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay, so
4: reality is very big and has, and has lots of different kinds of entities in it and, and different spaces, different kind of reality frames, and uh, these are all available. You can visit, you can go there, and you can do science there. You can do things that then you can, you can check whether or not this was real or whether it was not real. Wow. So it's it's a big reality and uh, it's good to get out and explore it.
0: I mean, I, I think from a, even from an intellectual place, from anyone that's kind of on an awakened path, this makes much more sense to them than anything that we've been told about our so-called reality in such a limited perspective as, as what we've been given to date. This resonates with me far more than than the you know, the mainstream perspective which has never made any sense at all, which is why I always say that, you know, it just we really the only thing we seem to know as we explore more is that we don't know anything. <laughs> so but you seem to have had quite a few experiences in this in this anythingness and, and brought a lot of things together.
4: The knowledge you gain and the experience you have tends to just like here, it tends to accelerate. The more you know then the easier it is to know more. So if you don't know anything at all about, say, um, oh I don't know, uh, water skiing, you know, you don't know the thing about it, then it's the first learning is hard and slow. But once you know a lot about it, once you have some experience, then you can do more things more quickly. In other words, it, it's an accelerating process. So you can imagine if you've been working on exploring non-physical reality for 30 years and all of what you've been learning has been growing and accelerating, you know, you you get around some and you make some friends and been some places.
0: So when did you first encounter your first non-physical entity? Well, that would
4: have been while we were at the lab working with uh, Bob. You know, that's one of the things we did. When we would uh, um, go into non-physical realities, we would contact. And we'd contact entities and we'd try to find out about them and and, uh, get some information, particularly information that we could corroborate that would become evidential. Um, we would ask them all sorts of questions, and we found there were all sorts of entities. Some of them knew uh, a lot. Some of them didn't even know as much as we did.
0: And where were they from? Or- there are
4: entities out there that are. Um, you know, reality is reality, and the non-physical evolved just like the physical reality evolved. There's there's low life and high life that's in the non-physical. There are, you know, parasites and slugs and, you know, unpleasant entities and wonderful entities. There are those that are highly evolved and those that are, you know, equivalent to our earthworms. You know, it's, reality is a big place. It's not just you know, fluffy little angels sitting on clouds, uh, you know, hanging out trying to help the, you know, the poor little people do it right on Earth. Um, you know, that's, all of that's just a tiny, tiny piece of it. So when you get out into the larger reality, you, you have to understand it's not a handmade, special, um, limited, non-physical reality. It's, an, it's a place that evolved naturally just like this Earth reality evolved naturally. So it's populated with everything that could possibly be there. Um, You know, evolution does that. If there's a niche, it gets filled. Same same on that side. How
0: clearly are you seeing these other entities? How clearly? Yes.
4: Well, just... Probably more clearly than you and I are communicating, because we just have voice. You know, there it's telepathic, and you see them, you interact with them, you sometimes have to deal with them.
0: Um, what does that mean? <laughs> I'd say interacting
4: with the non-physical uh, beings is not a whole lot different than interacting with physical beings. It's just in a different reality
0: space. So when when you said uh, that sometimes you have to deal with them, what does that mean?
4: Well, sometimes... Um, for instance, um, if someone, I interact, say, with someone who's having a particular kind of a problem and they suspect it has to do with something bigger than just what's physical, and I may go out and look and this person may indeed uh, be having problems. There may be other entities out there that are causing them distress. Their energy may be... Um, being being damaged, uh, they may have been, you know, I I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, it's like they may have been mugged. You know, they ran into other entities that have that have uh, treated them unkindly and sometimes you have to intervene and when you do you have to to deal with these, these entities you may have to get rid of them you may have to chase them away you may have to convince them to do something else um, you may have to deal with it if you're going to help this person get over what, what they're experiencing so you have to deal with them uh, if you want to understand them where they come from what level you know they are, if they're sentient enough to learn from them, you may want to have conversations. So interact with them. I mean, interact just like you interact with people here.
0: So you can go in. If someone comes to you and says that they're they're having some issue, can you check it out? You can go into your out-of-body state and go see what's going
4: on basically, you can go look at their energy, see what, you know, issues, you can look at the energy and see, you know, what's going on there, you can look around and see who or what's interacting with their energy and what it's doing, and then you can take, uh, you know, measures to try to fix things. Now, energy bodies come in different, you know, energy bodies aren't just really simple things either. You can look at a person, it's like, you know, hard to explain, but let's say that you look at a person with x-rays you get one picture if you look at them with your eyes you get a different picture if you look at them with uh, um, ultrasounds you get a different picture an mri you get a different picture it's all the same person but you can look at them kind of at different energy levels you look at them in different ways you can see different aspects of that person so you can look at an individual and look at their energy that has to do with their physical system and that energy body then is kind of the the near physical you can look at it from uh, an emotional point of view, which is, again, I think what they call the astral. And then you can look at it from a spiritual viewpoint and see what's going on there. And it's all the same person. It's just a different, it's a different view of that person. So typically you can find out what, what issues are, and sometimes you can, you can fix them, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes that problem that person has is a problem they need to have. It's on their path to learn, and, and uh, you're best to just leave it alone.
0: Wow, that makes sense. That's a good uh, analogy with a different perspective.
3: You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com.
0: I'm just looking at the time. There is no way we're going to get this crammed in an hour. It's far too fascinating. So right off the bat, I want to say I I want to bring you back on for a second hour. Is that okay?
2: That's
0: fine. Awesome. Because uh, Mm -hmm. there's just way too much to cover here, and it's all very exciting. But I want to know how this has changed your perspective, um, say, with with our existence. Let's Let's get to some of the big questions. We'll bring you back on and go through a lot of this.
4: The, the books have no requirement for any sort of belief system whatsoever. It's all just logic and science. I call that uh, the uh, decreasing entropy. Entropy is a term that means disorder. If you have more entropy, you have more disorder. So you lower entropy. You're more ordered. It also has to do with energy available for work. It's a physics term, and I describe it in the book. But our purpose is, now we are conscious beings. We are consciousness. Okay? Don't think of ourselves as a body with a consciousness attached. We are a consciousness with a virtual body. So we are units of consciousness, and we are to take that consciousness and evolve it. And we evolve it by interacting. We interact with other beings. We interact with ourselves, but mainly we interact with other beings. And as you interact, you get to make choices. You have a free will. The free will choices that you make help you grow, become more spiritual, become lower entropy. Consciousness, now, becoming a more spiritual consciousness is the same as becoming having a lower entropy consciousness is the same as having a more loving consciousness. So actually, there is a technical definition for love, and um, that's, that's in the books as well. So that's the point. The point is to grow, evolve, become. You take your consciousness and raise its quality. That's why we're here. And that's why everybody else is where they are, too. That's why the beings that are in non-physical realities, that's what they're doing as well. That's what the, the beings in the other physical realities are doing. And actually, that's what the whole consciousness system is doing. You have this big consciousness system that is itself evolving. It's not a static thing. And we are pieces of that. So we are a chip off the old block in the sense that we are a part of the whole thing. All is one thing and we're a piece of that one thing and that one thing is a big consciousness system and we're a little we're a little um little individuated chunk of that consciousness and we evolve as we evolve ourselves the whole system evolves it all grows together and like like here on earth you know the, the way evolution works is you either evolve or you stagnate and die so that's the choice it's a living organism this consciousness system and it has to keep growing evolving and learning we're a part of that. It's our job, too.
0: Having done this study now on this, on this consciousness system, where did we first begin then? Where did it come from?
4: Well, the best way to describe that is that you, know, you have to understand that you cannot produce an explanation of the non-physical with a physical description. That doesn't work. So let me start with the, with the idea that you need a potential. You need a, a non-physical potential. Consciousness is non-physical. You can't put consciousness in a bottle. You can put a brain in a bottle, but you can't put consciousness in a bottle. So consciousness is a non-physical entity. So first we start with, a, with kind of, let's say, the assumption that you have a non-physical potential, and that it's just a, a very, oh, it's just, let's just call it a potential. That's a good thing to call it. And then that potential, just evolved, sort of like the one-celled thing did, or the, or the uh, amino acids evolved on Earth and, and turned into a cell, and then the cells turned into multi-celled thing, that potential found out that it could modify itself in a way that it was like a, a one or a zero, this way and not this way, you know, distorted, not distorted, whatever you'd like to say, uh, you know, one way versus the other. Once it found that it could do that, then it could do two things this way and two things that way basically what you're building up by a a potential being able to distinguish between two states is you're building up a digital potential, a potential that can have multi-states. Each of these various states becomes ones and zeros, and suddenly you have consciousness that can remember. Ones and zeros give us memory, give us computation power, give us uh, an ability to uh, analyze. So it it starts with a, with a non-physical potential, which becomes basically aware of itself in a very crude way, just a, a, this way, not this way, eventually builds up enough of those cells, which I call reality cells, in order to become, you know, aware of what it's doing, doing things on purpose, and then it all grows. That's where the system starts. And um, I know that was a very sketchy, kind of hard to follow uh, description, but it's done in a lot more detail in the books, and it would probably make a lot more sense. Uh, You know, it's hard to do that.
0: you know, I can appreciate we're tackling big things and decades of research and cramming them into sound bites here. So I can definitely appreciate the challenge in that.
4: What about tell you a little about where that comes from? And I'll yeah. try to be brief on this. You have you have uh, science. You have physics. Basically, about 60, 70 years ago, ran into quant- produced quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics came to the stunning realization that at the very bottom most basic thing you know about reality was consciousness that's what quantum mechanics figured out with this double slit experiment and there's any number of nobel laureate physicists at that time that wrote that down just that clearly that, that at the base level of reality is consciousness well if the you know
2: fundamental of reality
4: is consciousness what's the fundamental of consciousness well consciousness is information it's awareness what's the fundamental unit of information it's ones and zeros. It's bits. That's the fundamental unit of information. So that kind of leads you to a non-physical, digital consciousness, if you will.
0: So what about God?
4: God is a concept that, you know, it depends. When you say God, of course, there's probably, you know, a thousand people out there going to hear that, and that word God's going to mean something different, to each one of them. So that makes the question a little hard to answer. But in the most general sense of of what people mean when they say God. God is a is a construct that people put together in order to get their arms around, in order to in order to talk about, it, in order to feel and interact with this this larger system, with the non physical, with what's greater than they are, and because they don't understand it, it just kinda gets in a nebulous God. And that description, you know, would, would suffice for most all the gods of various religions, as well as the gods of people who are not really all that religious, but still see a, a bigger, a bigger thing to life than than the physical. So God is really more of a way of looking at something. You could say it's a creation of man, but it's it's a conceptualization of what's bigger than people and then the physical, and it turns into God, and of course people have different ideas of what that non-physical thing should be, so then they get different ideas of God, and pretty soon they're fighting each other and killing each other because they're... they're uh, disagreeing with each other's concepts but that's what god is it's a it's a thing that we kind of make up a conceptual thing to help us deal with what this bigger reality is like
0: what about uh, the concept the god concept of source our source energy that the bigger thing that we come from
4: the source is consciousness it's a big consciousness system so there is this one source of which we are all a part and that source you know, is conscious. We are we are units of consciousness. We are experiencing a virtual physical reality. This physical reality is not really physical. It's only in our minds. It's a it's a um, you know you hate to say it's a hallucination. Obviously, you put your hands on the table. We're talking over phones and we're doing all this, but it's a construct. It's a digital simulation, if you will. There's a whole branch of physics called digital physics that was started by Dr. Fredkin, who came to the conclusion, based on information theory, that reality was really information and that it was non-physical. And now there's 100, 200 physicists all over the world working in this digital physics, basically extrapolating this information theory to uncover more ideas about reality. So the, the concept of reality as a simulation, if you will. Which makes it a, a digital construct is is not that um, far out. Serious oh. science talks about that. Serious philosophy talks about that.
0: And sort of like in the M- Matrix movie.
4: Yes, yes, sort of like in the Matrix in the Matrix movie. So this this fundamental thing, the source, as you say. Yes, we're a part of that source. You know, we're we're a piece of it. It's that big consciousness system.
0: Now, what about death? About what? Death, as we know it.
4: Death? Oh well, death is just a different point of view you know you can uh, you can watch somebody die you can go with them and you can watch the process and you can see the transition that their consciousness makes from the virtual physical state which we call physical matter reality to an awareness of of uh, some non-physical reality and you can follow along with the whole process death is uh, death is just a matter of perception you don't you don't die in the classical sense that we talk about people dropping over dead and dying and they're gone. You know, you are consciousness. Consciousness is non-physical. Non-physical. The, the physical body dies. The brain dies, but the consciousness lives on because it's part of a consciousness system. It's hard to explain. You know, 900 pages worth of, worth of books does a lot more justice to this uh, discussion than what I'm I'm doing to it here. I kind of feel. Like, I'm being inadequate in the discussion because it's hard to put these big concepts into few words and make them sound reasonable.
0: Well, and these are no small questions we're asking here, so I appreciate that, but this is fascinating.
3: You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul Highlights, life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to NewsForTheSoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's NewsForTheSoul.com.
0: I love the, the decreasing entropy thing, so we really are getting better and better in every way every day.
4: Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> our point. That's, our, that's what we're supposed to be doing anyway. Now, you, you don't have to do that. You can de-evolve, which means you, you don't get better. You can backslide, but basically that doesn't happen much. That's a hard thing to do.
0: Oh, so
3: thank God.
4: We are getting getting better, and we are growing up. It's just a very
3: slow, painful process. You're listening to the News for the Soul Radio Network.
0: Time to go live again. I'm Nicole Marie Whitney, News for the Soul Radio, life-changing talk radio. From the uplifting to the unexplained, and over the many years that we've been around, we have talked to one very special scientist and author, Dr. Bruce Lipton, is with me here for the next hour, here today on News for the Soul Thank you so very much.
1: I'm so happy to be back on the show and I'm so happy to be able to talk to the wonderful audience because they're my cultural creatives, the ones that are helping create a new civilization and I, I so appreciate them.
0: You said something that obviously needs to be highlighted and underscored. So we have to get, this, get out of this survival victim programming now to avoid a collapse of humanity in about 20 years. Is that what I heard you say?
1: Absolutely. Half the wildlife that was on this planet in 1970 doesn't exist anymore. We lost half the animals on this planet since
2: 1970.
1: Half? Half. It's actually 52%. And, and how about this? No, no saltwater fish in the ocean in 2048. Listen, tell your grandchildren there used to be fish in the ocean. Yeah, all of this. Why? It turns out human behavior we're undermining ecosystems, we're pillaging the planet, we're taking all the resources and and polluting and destroying it, and we think like, oh we have no effect on it. It's like, no, we are causing, and this is a fact of science, so I'm going to say this is a fact of science, and that is this, we are into what is called the sixth mass extinction of life on this planet. Five times in the history of this planet life was thriving, And then some catastrophic thing happened, and 50 to 80% of all the wildlife on the planet disappeared, just, you know, gone. And uh, uh, and they attribute things like maybe asteroids hitting, the or comets hitting the Earth and upsetting the environment, or massive geological activity, volcanoes, earthquakes, and stuff like that. And they say, when we're looking at the uh, loss of species today, it is greater... And faster than the loss of species in the previous mass extinction <laughs> and we're at a level now where it's, it's now mass extinction approaching because uh, the organisms are getting lost as I said 52% of the animals are gone uh, and, and so all of a sudden it really says is that uh, we are in a process called the sixth mass extinction of life but, and yet science as I said has, has, knows what the cause is it's human behavior You cannot continue the way you have been doing things because it won't work that way anymore. You hit a wall. You must change. And so when you look at the world and you see all those bad headlines and everybody going, oh, my God, it's so scary. And I go, no, no, you don't get it. This is good news. <laughs> it's good news for the reason is this. The system has to break down to build a new system. We can't fix this old one because that's the one that caused the problems. So the more you try and fix it, the more you keep the problems going so while people are looking in fear I really want to say wait a minute you're focusing your efforts and energy on the wrong side you should be focusing your efforts and energy on the side of where's the change where do we go from here when you look at it if you look at it in fear as I saying this is um uh, remember the picture in your mind makes your health part of the illnesses of this planet is to be in fear of these changes because the picture of fear means threat and the threat changes the chemistry of your body and a protection and that will actually uh, shut down your growth and your immune system and in fact that's one of the biggest causes of problems on today's world the fear so if you look at the, the crises as fear you're not helping yourself or the planet if you think about it I look at the crisis as good where there are other ways to solve this thing there's another way to do life better than this thing When you look at the world and you see all the upheaval, it's, yeah, because we're in a transition state from an old type of civilization, the one we were in, scientific materialism based on matter, and moving into a more holistic civilization where energy, which includes spirit, is brought back into the equation. So we're moving into a new civilization right now. So uh, my message is, Okay, we can change our way, look at the world, start to recognize that, what do you want from life versus what the program said you would be? And this is a time of great flux and change, an opportunity to rewrite the programs, create the new world, and move out of this collapsing one into a civilization that we can thrive into. That's that's what's in front of us. We have been taught to believe we are victims. Uh, victims of our heredity and that when you're a victim uh, you give up responsibility because you have no control anyway Uh, and also then you give up your savings to anybody who says they're going to help you with your problem
0: which is huge of course why you're, you're you and what you're doing the perceptions are they as easy to change as as you're suggesting
1: Yes, when you have knowledge of how to change them, <laughs> if you don't have an understanding, then it's a, one of the more difficult processes in our lives. So it turns out 95% of the day we're thinking, so 95% of the day we're playing subconscious programs. Yes, they came from other people, so they're not our beliefs and wishes and desires. And we're manifesting 95% of the day, a life that we've been programmed to. This is why we're so uh, moving toward an evolutionary upheaval, and it's an an evolution upheaval, not in biology, not in genetics, but in consciousness. It's a necessity for us in this stage of our evolution. We're facing some very serious civilization problems right now, and, and we have to empower ourselves. And uh, as we talked about, there's two levels of empowerment right now. Number one, epigenetics is yeah you 're in control of this, and and if you understand it, you can manifest it and b that collectively, our behavior as a culture is undermining civilization that we 're going extinct and it's not a thousand years from now you know they're 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 talking about uh, like civilization collapsing within twenty years uh, This is reality uh, and and the reason why is. Our behavior, human behavior, is undermining the web of life and humanity itself. And so we're in need of what? A rapid makeover, a <laughs> rapid redo, a rapid change this programming. Get out of the belief that life is a struggle for survival and get out of this belief that you're a victim of your, your biology and re-empower yourselves. And then when we do that, it'll change the world. We, are, we can get out of the program. We can create new programs and using uh, the you know, subliminal tapes, uh, using the um, uh, repetition habit thing, or using energy psychology. These are all ways that you can rewrite any of the programs in your life that you got in the first seven years. Our lives are, by definition, 95% coming from the subconscious. So by definition, your life is essentially a printout of your subconscious programs. And all of a sudden it says, oh my goodness, then we are masters of our biology. We're not victims of anything. The only thing we 're victims of is the belief that we 're victims, <laughs> and that that 's wrong, so this is an exciting time, a, a revolution on the planet, especially when you consider the health care crisis, the money, the amount of money that we 're spending uh, to, to bring people to health through a model that says oh it 's just a broken genes and broken body and give them some chemistry and they 'll come back. And then find out it had nothing to do with that, <laughs> except for 1%. Uh, but it had to do with uh, our lifestyle, our beliefs, our spirituality, uh, our attitudes about life, uh, love, uh, diet, and exercise. There you go. Um, holy smokes, the time has just
2: zipped by us. That's
0: a perfect pause moment, though, isn't it? Um, <laughs> heaven on Earth. That's a lot better than destruction of total humanity. <laughs> and, yeah, it's uh, a good
1: destination and joy will be there and happiness and, and, and love and community sharing. I, I, I see it because I've, uh, I've been around the world and I've seen people moving in that direction and been in communities where things like that are going on. It's like, oh my God, sometimes we think this is never going to happen. And, and what we don't realize, Nicole, is that there are so many people uh, groups out there so many shows uh, such as your own providing this new information and we don't see the other ones and therefore we look and say yeah I guess we're the only ones here and it turns out no we have large numbers of us all over the planet but they're not connected yet but in one you know it could be overnight just like a Berlin Wall boom they all decide to connect and the world will change the next day just like what happened in Berlin Wall coming down
0: Here are all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to
2: the show.
3: Call in to live News for the Soul shows daily for intuitive coaching, readings, numerology, leading edge health information, and much, much more with featured hosts from around the world. Go to newsforthesoul.com to join the next live show now. That's newsforthesoul.com. You're now tuned in to Nicole Whitney's News for the Soul highlights life-changing spotlights she has shared with leading teachers in the human consciousness field since 1997. Go now to newsforthesoul.com to hear the full shows totally free. That's newsforthesoul.com. News for Your Soul. Life-changing broadcasts to souls around the world since January
2: 1997.
5: Yemma! Yeah, we all love to hear the good news. So we all should rush to hear the good news. Mm-hmm. Right. But we cannot find the good news. Yeah. NFTS, NFTS. News for the soul at the very best. NFTS, NFT. News for the soul at the very best. NFTS NFTS. News for the soul at the very best, yeah man, just like on to the soul that, yeah we are a life changing talk radio, we give you good news to keep you on the go, and you can also share the good news you know, and that's the way we keep in the flow, Wah! We only focus on the positive things, yeah. We only focus on the positive things, yeah. We never go put none of the negative in there. We never go put none of the negative in there. NFTS, NFTS, news for the soul at the very best. NFTS, NFTS, news for the soul at the very best. News for the soul the very best. Log on to www.newsforthesoul.com. Every time. Come here good news, share the good news. And we all feeling good for the good news.